Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is Trav. That's all, folks. John wasn't able to join us because he is off at Dragonflight. Yes. And Josie is off without internet. So it's just the two of us. Still on hiatus for that, yeah. Right. And this is a special episode anyways because this is our Gen Con episode. Gen Con 50. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it is a post Gen Con episode. I'm not recording it at the actual convention, uh, which is probably good thing because you'll get a lot better sound quality as a result. Well, yeah, <laughs> because when we were recording it there, even in when we found a room, the, it, the din from everything around us was still leaking into the recordings. So from the previous years we've done this, the particular games and sessions that you ran, what all did you do? Okay, so uh, I ran two fringe. Um, I'm sorry, uh, two fringe worthy and one Bureau Thirteen uh, adventure. Okay, um, I ran um, They're All Dead Three, New York City, and I ran uh, Didn't I Just Kill You? <laughs> and uh, which which uh, they've asked me to run uh, again at um, at uh, Continuum. Oh, okay. All so, right. of course, if you're if you're planning on being in that game, you probably don't want to hear any particulars about it. But uh, they um, uh, both those games went very well. The players really liked the. Um, uh, I, I mean, I I didn't give them a whole lot of background on the actual fringeworthy game. Um, I, I had the leverage that you know it's a lot like Stargate. You know, though I did mention the fact that our game came out in 1983. Yes, Stargate came out in. Uh, the like 90s. 94, yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they are like us, not the other way around. But they, um, they, they, they really like the idea because you know, they, they went in, in both cases, in both scenarios, you're pretty much kind of separated from the fringe paths, anyways. You have to deal with the situation that's there. Um, and so they were very much uh, interested in trying to understand what was going on and trying to complete the tasks. Uh, not a tremendously large amount of problem-solving skill on the half of the players. Um, I think they could have done a, little, a lot better job. I've seen a lot better this, than this year, but they all seem to have a lot of fun uh, doing that. Um, as a matter of fact, is that the, uh, the people playing you know, uh, They're All Dead 3 in New York City spent three hours trying to get into the building. <laughs> a four-hour session, they spent three-quarters of it. I, I basically, in the last 15 minutes I had, I pretty much narrated, you know, what they were doing. He says, okay, so what are you doing now? And he says, okay, we're going to go here. And he says, all right. So we're gonna, you know, you're going to cut a hole in the wall over here, you know, while you're distracting the zombies over here. And then you're going to go through and you're going to do this. And they actually failed the scenario because oh. they didn't do what they were they didn't get the thing they were after but instead for the first time ever they went and got a secondary objective and uh, I did, was like well you didn't get what we asked you to get but this thing is really cool and I'm sure that the people on that world will be able to use it to create safe zones so that they can survive a little better and um, and it's 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 a, a different way of them being able to recover, and who knows? You might 
you know, we'll send we'll send another team out there, and maybe they'll be able to find the thing that you were actually supposed to find in the first place. Okay. So that was that was very interesting that they did that, and uh, uh, I was very glad to see that because every time before they have not, you know, uh, they they have you know, they've never really you know figured out what what this uh, MacGuffin is. That they that they can run across inside of the installation that they're penetrating, um, so. <laughs> but they said, "Oh, it looks real science fiction. It's got to be what we're looking for." And they grabbed it and ran. <laughs> so just you know, just remember, you know, it'd be like someone coming back and stealing your and, and, and someone goes into your house to you know to steal your computer and comes back with your stereo system instead. <laughs> What's that old? Uh... Oh, the old sign. I think it's a Greg Almond sign. It may steal your diamonds, but I'll bring it back some gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the um, uh, didn't I just kill you? They they really you know uh, they they really liked the the, the setup. Um, I I uh, and they um, and they really liked getting into like talking to the various people. Um, they spent a a lot of time. Um, actually, initially interacting with the priests and all, and they, 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 they did. They made a mistake in that they split the party up. One oh. group was over trying to figure out how to get back to the portal. Another group was trying to interrogate some people. Third person was was you know was over there you know talking to the to the now high priest because the original one got killed, um, and then they got out and, and they went, moved on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those scenarios that if you if you're not careful you can really get bogged down in a lot of detail and uh, and, and time will pass and then all of a sudden you'll say oh yeah we're we're here to, to do something aren't we <laughs> can we still do that and I'm like well I don't know it just depends on what you decide to do next so uh, they, and again they, they they didn't do what most people do which is fine they they, they did something that only a couple people have done and there's multiple successful endings to this scenario, which is why I think it's a, you know, a, one of the more the better ones because it has a great hook at the beginning, where they basically see themselves die, but they're still alive, oh. and then um, and then they uh, go on to uh, uh, find out, you know, what's at least what's going on there. They, even if they don't ever quite understand the mystery of, of what actually happened at the beginning. So, which brings me to, and those were both adventures that I had previously run. I'd run them multiple times, play test them, tweak them a bit. You know, every time I go to Gen Con, since uh, when we all went there together, all the hosts, uh, yeah. that year I did like six sessions. Okay. Okay. Because I was planning on running the exact same number of sessions at, Dra um, uh, at Dragon Con, where they make you do six sessions. If you're going to be a gamer, as a GM, they, they, they make you do 24 volunteer hours to get your badge. Okay. So I said, well, if I'm running them all at DragonCon, I might as well run them all over at GenCon. And that allowed me to take the extra and push it your way, which is why you were able, not you, you already had a badge, but um, I was at Habibi, got her badge free as a result. Okay. Well, I remember the first year was with Amber Rowe, 2012, when I only had to the... You mean my first full four-day weekend I was there? Well, I'm just saying, when we were all there together, Peter was running games, I was running games, Richard ran one game. That was 2012, yeah, that was... Pip was there, that, yeah. Anyways, the point was that we had some people who needed badges, and I was able to, because of the number of people who were running sessions, we were able to pull all of our hours together and, okay. and provide a couple extra badges as a result of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, but this, but ever since that hasn't, you know, people haven't been going as much, uh, I, all I have to do is 72 person hours, which are six, four, uh, six people for four hours, three times as of yeah. 72. And so I've only been doing three sessions. But every year I try to do a new session that I haven't done before, you know, a new scenario. Um, and this one, um, it was graduation day or final exam or whatever we want to do. And it was inspired by the events that took place in Nick Pilata's second novel called Doomsday Exam. Okay, God, it's been a while. And in that, 
the team, Team Tuna Fish, uh, because of losses that they've incurred in the previous missions, they go to Bangor, Maine to uh, check out the graduating class of agents to see if they can pick up a few good agents to fill out their ranks. And so those agents are going into what they call Hell House yeah. to do a final exam. Uh, and and I use that as a, the inspiration for this scenario. Oh, no. So, but the problem with the, with the Pilatus story, not that there's a problem with the story, but as far as the scenario, is, is that halfway through the exam, something happens and everybody has to run outside and deal with the greater threat. So I was like, well, okay, so I only have half of an adventure here unless I really wanted to bring them outside in the Bangor, Maine and have them fight some kind of epic battle or whatever, which I didn't really want to do. And so what I did instead was is that I said, okay, I'm going to make them, uh, in addition to the things that are in the Nick Pilatus story, I'm also, which was basically them going from room to room, examining the room, finding things that were supernatural, dealing with traps, you know, identifying all the things that a good spy should be able to figure out, uh, disable the traps, run into some supernatural set pieces, fight some monsters, put them down and keep on moving and, and they all get graded for all those different things. I did that, but I wanted there to be more and so I brought in the scenario of the strange death of Daniel Stewart and said, you're supposed to figure this out, this this particular investigation, while you're doing these other things. Wait a minute! <laughs> and I used the D20 modern system because I, you know, because D20 is a lot crunchier and not so much I wanted crunch, but I wanted all the different, the larger number of skills so that yeah. people would say, hey, I want to do this, I have the skill for that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have trouble thinking outside the box in Savage Worlds because the skills are a lot more limited and things, for example, pickpocketing is part of stealth. Yeah. And so I said this would be a better choice because A, more people should know how to play D20 and it'll have this more granularity to it. So that was the idea I had behind it. Um, and, and essentially because they were doing the equivalent of a dungeon crawl through this house, yeah. you know, uh, while they were also investigating this other thing. And, and, I, and this adventure totally crashed and burned. The, the, the players, one of the players just basically got up and said, you know, I don't like this and left. And unfortunately, uh, two thirds of the rest of the players were with that guy. And so they got up and left. And I had one guy left who had just basically taken a face full of, uh, of, of, uh, of stuffed animated um, Kodiak bear. And so he was like, I don't think I want to do any more. And so literally halfway through the session, I lost my entire group. Wow. Yeah, it that has not happened very often. Uh, uh, it's only happened like once before. Um, and uh, and so I'd like to talk about what I think worked and didn't work in this situation. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, um, I made the assumption that everybody knew D twenty D twenty, and apparently, there's a lot of people who don't. I've noticed in my and and Bruce, you know, I I'm still very much into D twenty Pathfinder OGL. You've seen the folders that I have back the weekend of Rich's wedding. So, as I said, I lost count somewhere over 4,000 PDFs. It has its fans and it's got its detractors. There are just some people... Heck, my roommate who played D&D, he stopped at second edition, as did the former, uh, the, the creator and former co-owner of Dementia Radio. He'll still do second edition over three or three point five any day. So OGL D twenty has it got a large number of people back into role playing, and they're still doing it today with Pathfinder. But yeah, there's there's some people. There's a lack of love for D twenty, or just they may have gotten out of role playing or never got into it, and just 
you know, they never got into that mechanic. So apparently, the, the these guys went and read the thing and said, you know, no experience necessary. System will be taught. Okay, they came in, sat down. I handed them the character sheet. They looked at it, didn't understand a word that was on it, and then didn't bother to tell me that they were totally clueless. Oh, jeez. So here I am saying, you know, we we're having a little bit of trouble. You know, sometimes you know, like where, where's the ranged attack? Where's the the base attack? And I thought the problem was with the character sheets that maybe they weren't familiar with these layouts and they, you know, uh, and stuff. But in fact, is they really didn't understand how the game system worked and what they were supposed to be doing as far as using their skills. So that's that's on me that I did not spend. Because usually I assume that people don't know Savage Worlds, and I'll spend at least 10, 15 minutes going over the Savage Worlds and how you do things, and 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 it is arguably a much simpler system than well, Dota yeah. 20. Yes. But you know, I I also assume that not as many people play it. So, uh, but I was assuming that they were they had a, at least a passing familiarity with D20, if not D20 Modern, and that was a mistake. They didn't know, a, they had no idea what was going on, and I should have spent a lot more time. I should have, if it would, I mean, if I should have spent a half hour teaching them the system, because they might have actually enjoyed the game then, because they, they mostly seem to be pretty much at, at, at odds. They should have also spoke up a lot better and just, you know. Yeah, that's on them. They didn't tell me that they were really clueless. Bruce, I see this as just miscommunication. I see, you know, a little bit of you, and it's a little bit of them, and just it meshed into kind of the perfect storm of, yeah. Well, there was that. You know, there was the fact they didn't understand the system. And I basically have been, at this point, really convinced that the whole D20 massive damage rule has got to go. <laughs> they really did not like it. In, in, in D20 Modern... Okay, so the one that if you take up to your con score in damage in one attack, you make the DC 15 for save plus one to that save for every five over that threshold, or you drop to negative one hit points, that one? Yeah, to zero and you start dying, yes. Okay, I've always done it at negative one, just, but, okay. Right, well, negative one. The point is they're starting to lose hit points. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, no. Well, you know, I've run, you know, the, the Pokemon, the Poke Earth game. We use that threshold. So, you know, I use it. I, I see it as making combat a little more realistic. Right. Well, that was the reason they were trying to do a more. It said with modern weaponry, combat is more lethal. Yes. You know, therefore, this rule was established. Well, but the point is, is that the players hate it. They hate the fact that not only am I taking some damage, but if I also flub this roll, I lose every hit point I have, and I don't know what to do then. I'm just going to be basically out of the game. Because uh, especially if they don't understand about healing yeah. or anything else, you know, they don't have anybody who can do it. Um, and that, just, it, it, that went over really badly. kind of also brings in the fact about not using tactics with your character. I mean, there are. I mean, there are certain things. If you open a door, you don't know what's behind that door, and you take a your character takes a full shotgun blast. There's kind of not much you can do with tactics. But I mean, if you're in an area where you know, oh, I can take cover, or I can do this, and I can do that, and you decide to just run it, well, that that's kind of on the player then. So, yeah, I understand that they may have not have liked that rule because you can be one hit, one drop that quickly. I can understand why they wouldn't like that, especially if it was a first-time person playing the D20, especially the modern mechanic. But, yeah, I just, uh, again, as I said, I think these, these players could have spoken up and asked a lot more questions. Right. Well, they definitely didn't like it. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's in, in the situation where you're playing for four hours, you know, it puts them in a situation where they can't recover. And, and, or at least they don't perceive themselves as being able to recover. And that was, and that was a problem. Uh, they also had no clue. I mean, the, I, I think in the, in the, um, 
in the description, I should have said, you're going to have to investigate, you know, not only just investigate a, a mystery, but you're also going to have to engage in trap finding and puzzle solving and other things like that. And just basically let them know that it was more of a thinking, there were going to be some combat situations, but it was more of a thinking person's game than just come in and, and just whack ghosts, you know, spooks and stuff. Yeah. And uh, because they, they seem to be expecting a different scenario than what I was running. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, just if I, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to run this again because I want to make, make, you know, I want it to, I want, I want it to work, but I want, I think I'm going to have to do a lot more planning as far as, you know, what, how to let them know, you know, what's up and stuff. Yeah. You know, they, they, they were just, just totally out to see. I mean, I gave them a, I gave them a curling detector. I told them what it was good for. They didn't use it or they used it too late. You know? Yeah. Um, they didn't know how to do combat. They, they, they had a whole big list of skills. They had no idea what they meant, like what spot versus disabled device versus, you know, lock picking, you know, all that stuff. They had no idea. Um, so, just, and then, so I, I wasn't surprised that they finally, you know, got, a, you know, got a limit. But I think that also that they, you know, if, if they'd been a little more open with me and they would said, hey, look, yeah. we're not liking this about the scenario. We don't understand the system. We think you're being too hard on us and stuff like that. I could have said, okay, look, says we're just going to put the, 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 the trap finding and all that stuff away. We're just going to go purely you solving this mystery. And we'll yeah. just, you know, and, we'll, and, and I'll handle all the system. You just have to tell me what it is that you're doing. And I could have done that. I could have given them a game that they really would have liked, but they basically, because one guy got a mat on, all, you know, all, his, all of his buddies left, and the one guy that was left just felt a little bit too intimidated by you know, to face up to the, you know, to the rest of the adventure himself. That does happen, folks, when you run a con game. It just, as I said, there, there's difference, and we've, We've covered this before on this podcast, running a con-based game against, oh, it's your regular group. You've been with these people for months or years. They, you know how to deal with them. That when you run a con-based game, you have such a wide variance of person that you could get that chaos theory plays a lot more into how the game is played out or, in this case, not played out. Bruce, you said this may have happened only like one other time where just the adventure just went. Where basically I got abandoned my, by, my, by my group while I was running it. Well, as I said, it is a possibility when you run a con game, but it, it's rare. This, for what you described here, was definitely an exception to the, the general rule of running a game at a con. But it really did kind of bum me out when it happened. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit of a hit to the ego. Well, it's also all the work I did, all the planning I had done. Yeah. It was already, you know, and I was trying to work them through it, and they and to see them just not not enjoying it, I was like, oh, you know, you know, I. I I, I came. I, I came to uh, waltz, and everybody wanted to uh, headbang. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, and they had, and they had a lot. I mean, these people truly had a lot of trouble wrapping their heads around what was going on. The fact that they were, they were taking part in an exam, so things would be happening, and people around them would just be totally ignoring it, because that wasn't their part. You know, there was some. There was a woman in the kitchen who was supposed to be giving information about the uh, 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 about the mystery about Daniel Stewart's death, and in the in the dining room right next door, they're fighting a they're fighting a giant monster, and 
And she doesn't come out. She doesn't scream. She goes back. They peek their head in later. She's still staying around there waiting for someone to come in and talk to her again. It's like, you know, being on an online MMORG where, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. That person's still staying over there waiting to talk to you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think they were having a lot of trouble with that. You know, at one point they actually uh, fired their weapons at the uh, at their uh the person who was recording their exams, they said, every time you do this, well, she's making some more notes. <laughs> and they said, said, okay, fine. Says, take some notes on this. And they turned around and fired the Mark II spook smasher at her. Wow. It was uh, not terribly effective because guess who it was? Shay Talbot? No. It was a certain Egyptian character that's near and dear to you. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Amber would be so happy that you. Yeah, I'm not keen on who got murdered, though. Well, they, she, she just laughed at them. It was so pathetic, you know. No, I'm talking in the case of Daniel Stewart. Yeah. That's when you first said that. I was like, oh. Thanks a lot. <laughs> For those of you who may not know, D20, Bureau 13 D20, the co-leader of Team Candlestick, Michigan's regional team for the Bureau, it's basically my Mary Sue character. So, yeah, as soon as he said, yeah, the murder of Daniel Stewart, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, so, <laughs> I'm like, that, that name is totally unrelated to your character. Oh, I was going to, oh, okay, all right, yeah. No, but, but the fact that Bruce used serendipity, the half-succubus, 3,000-year-old Egyptian instructor for Banger, Maine. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pip would love you for that. Oh, man. just It, it was a character that Amber Rowe, former co-host on this podcast, came to me in over the course of like six months. We just hashed out incredible backstory on just who she was, how she went through history, how she got to be with the Bureau. And we even told Rich about it. Rich loved it because he'd known Amber all of her life. So it just the fact that she had gotten this much into the Bureau and that's what got her into the podcast for the, what, year and a half she was on. Yeah, this character is now Bureau canon. Any possible future editions of the Bureau 13 game will try to slip serendipity in there just to... Give homage to Amber's work, but oh wow, oh no, they oh no, I know full well a bunch of new agents trying to fire a gun at her. That won't end well for them. Well, it, you know, it's just basically you know all all it did was make her eyes glow. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all. That that's how Saren rolled. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> bang! That's adorable. Getting an F right now is the least of your worries. <laughs> and I told him, and she, you know, she said at the beginning, she said, you can ask me for help three times, but every time it's going to lower your overall score for all of you. Yeah. So you have to yeah. decide whether or not you really want me to do that. And when the one guy got knocked below zero due to the attack by the, the, um, uh, by the, the bear, um, that was when... Um, they said, all right, you know, they didn't want to do it. They were like, well, we'll just let them die. <laughs> and I'm like going, you have, okay, like if you, yes, if you ask her for help, it will lower your overall score. But if you do not ask her for help under these conditions, it will really lower your score. Because <laughs> you don't just go and like leave a, uh, you know, if there's, if you can bring somebody back, you're not going to not do that. And, and you know, it's just a violation of team ethics. You know, so, I mean, I that, I was thinking that they were going to ask her, oh, we don't understand this, what are, we, what are we supposed to be doing here, kind of questions. Not, hey, let's bring this person back from being unconscious. <laughs> but uh, that's that's what I'm saying is if I hadn't done that, then uh, he would have, still, he still would have been conscious. He would have been hurting, you know, but they could have done some, uh, you know, some repair, you know, re repair damage, repair injury checks on him. And probably brought him up, you know, quite a few hit points. But, you know, being that he was so bad off, that they uh, uh, they really needed some uh, extraordinary 
healing at that point, which um, uh, which serendipity was able to provide, uh, at, you know, as part of the thing. But that was pretty much, you know, that that was that was like right about the point where they all decided to leave. So, anyways, it's uh, you know, and, and I, I and so I, I'd like to I I, I want to try uh, try this again and do, and hopefully do a better job of it or at least maybe tweak it a little bit so that some things work a little better. But uh, I did not use the um, drama deck with this one because I didn't want them t pulling something out of their butt, you know, to radically change the situation. I really wanted them to just treat it as a pure as an investigation, you know, and, and to follow through and all the things. And so the you know the cars as nice as they are, and I like them a lot. They throw a lot of you know, they they can be very chaotic. They can throw some real literally wild cards into the situation. And I thought that was kind of yeah things that there things that there's no way that you could fit into this into the scenario you're right. running. And, yeah, and also you know you're they're supposedly taking a test. So if you suddenly say, okay, the next check you make is going to be made at the maximum possible level, you know, or it's going to be a critical success, well, that's kind of breaking the whole, you know, you're taking a test concept. So that's one reason I didn't do that. Yeah. I think they, they might have had a little bit more working for them if they had. You know? But uh, on the other hand, it might have ended up, ended up very badly for them because they definitely didn't, they weren't really understanding anything. So adding one more chaotic element to the situation, I can't imagine yeah. improving the situation. But uh, they, uh... <laughs> anyways. So that was that. That was my crash and burn. So, uh, like I said, I, I'd like to do it a little better. Um, and I think it, I, I think it's, it's still a solid scenario. I mean, the this the the adventure, you know, the strange death of Daniel Stewart. You know, is in um, the Screams uh, Among Us uh, supplement that was produced by um, Outpost Games, uh, my old okay. company, and uh, yes. and it's, it's a it's a pure adventure. I mean, it's designed to be to be run by any number of players. You can do it with one because it's it's purely a matter of going in, figuring out stuff, you know, following the clues, following it to the end, and then making a uh, making a moral decision. Which is I always thought so, so classic for Bureau Thirteen that they were all you know that it, they weren't just investigating things they would have to at some point make a moral decision about something, and that's that's what I wanted to get them to beyond because that was the, the final that was the final test of it was at the end to say okay what decision do we make we have this whole big long sheet of Bureau Ethics. Okay, how does this fit in? What's our decision? Okay, and what does the bureau think we should be doing? And that's that was you know that they, they never got there. Too bad. I I think such a I guess the term would be bureau centric game. What's the term? A niche game. I think. There would have to be familiarity with Bureau 13 and the background of it. That explanation of the Bureau's history might have might have helped here. Like, okay. I don't think so. But knowing a police procedurals, that would have helped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they missed so many clues because they just did not examine everything in the room. They, I mean, they, there was a couch. Did they pull the pillow, the, the cushions out from the couch and check to see if there was anything inside the couch? No. Did they uh, look for um, bugs or uh, any kind of trap in the closet? No, there was a trap in the closet, by the way, a real nasty one. Oh. Uh, they didn't use. They didn't do that. Uh, did they? Um, uh, you know, did they see what was the last? You know, there was a there was a television. And a VCR um, and all this stuff. They, did they bother to see what he was watching when this happened? No. Uh, whether because that could have been, you know could have been a Ringo kind of thing. You know that, that what because ha what happened to him clearly looked like some kind of a curse or something. So the question is, what triggered it? Was it something in the room, or was it something else? You know, and they did. They never really. They didn't do that. They didn't do all the little things that they should have done. 
uh, they, the one guy, there was one guy who actually seemed like he knew what he was doing, and he was, unfortunately, the one that got creamed by the, uh, uh, by the, the bear, but that was because he was there by himself. He basically got tired of them not doing stuff, and he just went off on his own, and, you know, you know what happens when you split the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I felt sorry for him, but at the same time, is is that I, you know, had to give the same amount of spotlight to everybody. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, they just so I think that if we had a group that was more committed to the idea of following, you know, of actually doing a, a procedural um, that knew that they, you know, understood the what the test was going to involve. Because I could have told them more about what the test was going to involve. This is what you learned during bureau training. Yes. You learned how to do this. You know, you learned how to interpret these various things. If you if you see evidence of glamour, that means that there's probably something hiding behind an illusion. You know, if you see high energy, you know, if you see high spiritual energy, there might be a ghost. Yeah. You know, it just. Uh, but if you go to an area where it's just cold, uh, maybe there's a broken air conditioning system. The more that you've talked about this, Bruce, the more I'm thinking that these three or four guys that were doing this, I take it that they were probably late teens, early 20s, or were they older? They were late 20s. I'm still thinking it was just four guys. Oh, let's just do this one for S&G. We got a few hours to blow. Yeah, it was. It, they were. It was between one and four in the afternoon. Yeah, just out of lunch before anything big in the evening came around. I'm thinking At that least these, they weren't drunk. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank heaven for tender mercies. Yeah, um, but still, I'm thinking that these were just three or four guys, all buddies. Oh, let's just do something until the night festivities. Oh, look, let, and it's like they threw a dart. And that's what it's beginning to sound like with these three or four guys. They they walked in just totally blind as to what's going on. I they may not even have read the whole description. Oh, it fits our time block. Let we got general tickets. Let's do it. Yeah, it it just there were a lot of things that just mixed up where. Because at first when you were talking about it, it sounded like you, you were taking a lot of the blame on yourself. No, I'm beginning to see more and more of the blames on them. Because I, I've, I've gamed with you. You run pretty sound stuff. Yeah, I just think that for something like this, I probably need to be a lot more explicit about what the expectations are. Yeah. And maybe not put it listed as a, you know, anybody can play this, you know, uh, but maybe put a little bit of older, you know, uh, the thing is, is it's you know, is that is my wife and I were talking about it. We said the best Bureau Thirteen player I've ever had was an eight-year-old kid who literally just went step by step, just nailed every part of the investigation. He was there with his dad, and his dad kept saying, "Well, what do you think this means, son?" And he'd be like, "Well, it's got to be something like this." And he asked really good questions, and this kid was amazing. Wow. Like, well, I, you know, this kid's going to be like the next Columbo if he if he uses this these skills like this. So I was I was still thinking that anybody could do this, but I think that I, I probably should should probably bump it up a little bit in age. So, uh, but they were all late twenties anyways. But at least they would have the expectation that they may not need to know the game system, but they need to know something about how to run an investigation. Yeah. Yeah, that they that they need to attention to detail is going to make a lot of a difference, and that that things are not going to be what they seem. Well, generally, Rich's games have always been thinking man's games. Brute force is never the way to go. I mean, you can use brute force, but it's usually a last resort. And even in Rich's tritech system, the 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 experience system catered more toward using your brain than just picking up a gun and shooting. You did planning, you did tactics, you did legwork. And then if combat was needed, okay, you wouldn't get it much experience, but if you did the legwork tactics and planning, you're going to get a nice chunk of XP. But it's because you used your brains more than your weapons. Rich's games have always been like that. Yeah, and that's so, true. And that's what I was trying to do. Right, and just there are some people who are in for either goofing around or hack and slash. This, yeah. 
and it it's it's it, as I said, I feel bad that the one particular adventure fell through for you, but I'm seeing the more you tell me, the less I'm seeing it's on your end. Just yeah, just I mean, you can try to tweak it, and some of the suggestions you've had. Okay, I might want to explain a little more on this part and a little more on this part. Okay, yeah, but you don't want to. I don't want to fall on my sword. Well, overthink. Where you know you okay? I'm trying to overcompensate. You don't want to do that. This is one of those tightrope type things that. No, I I, I I do want to clean up. You know, maybe throw some more, add some more clues and things like that. But I think that um, the the most important thing is to go and make sure that everybody really understands what's expected of them. Yeah. And uh, what the test is going to involve and what their training has involved. So. You know, and, and I tried to get that across, but again, I don't think they understood. When I said, you know, the most important thing to pay attention to is Baines, I don't think they got a, had an idea what I, what I meant when I said that. Ah. Uh. Baines, this guy in Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't think, they, I don't think they, they clued in to the fact that, and I did say there are some creatures that are immune to all things, you know, all normal attacks, and you're going to have to figure out something that will affect them that is based on their history and their nature. And I was trying to get that across when they tried firing on uh, uh, on Serendipity, where she literally just said, you know, what was that? Yeah. And I'm seeing, and I'm, and right now, just, I'm seeing Pip and just how she would have handled something like that playing the character and it is just it's bringing a smirk to my face right now yeah um so yeah so that was a bureau adventure and the other two were fringe worthy adventures and it sounded like you ran those as you call them in media res in other words they were already neck high in action when you started those two fringe worthy adventures uh i should have done in media res as far as the one they you know you um, I didn't I just kill you because it gets them right in the middle action a little bit better um, the, uh, the as far as the Bureau 13 yeah I mean I mean as far as the, they're um, uh, they're all dead in New York City I had to pretty much narrate them all the way up to the point where this says okay time to get out of the helicopter and drop onto the roof and uh, you know and, and 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 start trying to get into the building across the street ah. because you know because that's I did say when they were come flying in, they saw all the zombies lined up on one side of the river and none on the other side of the river, and they're like, and they're like, what's you know what's going on with that? What do you think that means? You know, and they're like, I don't know, you know. And then, so, uh, so there was a you know there was a little bit of that, but definitely, um, uh, didn't I just kill you? Should be done in media res. Okay. Yeah, because you really want them to just get start off it with them seeing. You know, uh, uh, seeing something terrible happen to their characters. Well, there's certain times that where you got to do that, where it's just, it it just depends on the theme that you're trying to run. It's like, okay, we need these guys to be active now in media res. If not, build it up slowly. So you guys are sitting at your base, just you know, yeah, it just kind of depends on what you want to do with the particular and how. Uh, motivated, you want to really get them going. Um, well, also, is it, it's a time saver. I mean, yeah, really yeah. start off without them, you know, fussing around, trying to get used to their characters and spend a half hour actually getting into the scenario. They're in the scenario, <laughs> and now they got to basically, fit, you know, uh, do do that kind of getting into their skin really quick because otherwise they're in trouble. So. But at the same time, is that it's that particular scenario? If they play it well, it it very quickly turns into something else, and and it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, the whole situation is is very, it's very uh, outlandish. Um, just what 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 is going on? I mean, the place is filled with color. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy things going on. It's you, you're looking around, going this. This is just nutsy going on in this place, and and then and then trying to deal with the craziness, and some people just totally embrace it and go, yeah, okay. So what's the craziest thing I can do right now? Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and you 
And usually that works for them in this particular scenario. Ah. So, you know, in other words, go big or go home. Yeah. Because that particular scenario doesn't give you much choice to do others. And I did have a lot of fun with them trying to get into the building and they're all dead three. Uh, we, we did a number of things. What One guy goes and tries to go up the stairs. They, they found this thing that was grabbing people and dragging them underneath these stairs, these outside stairs, concrete stairs where the sides were open. Uh, and one guy says, well, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go up the stairs and, uh, and, and get... And, and open this door that's at the top because obviously you know the adventure is not here fighting this monster under the stairs and he starts going up the stairs i'm like okay you know you ever heard of you know re retreating you know they th this thing threatens this entire area and you're walk trying to walk away from it by going up the stairs so it gets a free attack against you so it grabs him and he just pulls him over the side of the rail and he's now hanging 15 feet down on the side of a building, 14 stories from the concrete, filled oh, with zombies. Geez. And he's like, you know, <laughs> like, holy crap. It's one of those things, what book did I not read? What class did I miss where I ended up making this poor life choice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm saying on the, on, on the good side, on the good side is that this zombie really wants to eat you, so he's not letting go of you. He says, okay. And then they killed it. And then the zombie let go of them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he went through five bennies making that making that grab check to grab that now flaccid hand, zombie hand, to keep himself from falling, you know, 14 stories. Oh. Yeah. And, every, and everybody pulled him back up, and then they, they started checking it out. And it was just really, says, this is a really weird-looking zombie. You know, it's, it's it's almost like a Venus flytrap zombie. And uh, they're like, what? And, and I says, and this is not the zombies you were looking at. You have no idea where this zombie came from. This is not what you were expecting. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> so this is, and, I, and I'm like, why do you think that happened? And it's like dead silence around the table, and someone says, "Well, we are, we are here for a alien biosequencing device. <laughs> maybe, maybe they've done stuff to the zombies." I'm like, "Whoa, that could be really make this adventure really complicated, don't you think?" And they're all looking at each other. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh crap! What did we get ourselves into?" Yeah, yeah it's like I thought we were just gonna be. Some zombies in the head, and now you got like clamshell zombies, and so that that was fun. That was a lot of fun for me to do because I just love when they suddenly realize that these aren't your mama's zombies. Right. Yeah. I just love that moment. Well, you gotta you gotta throw that twist in, and thankfully, with well, even with Fringeworthy, I mean, the Bureau Thirteen game especially, but even with Fringeworthy, there's enough variance in the subject matter of the games where you can rub the serial numbers off of something, add one little tweak, and it's a whole new ball game. That is one of the things that I've always loved about those games. As I said, Bureau 13 in particular, but you can do it with Fringeworthy if you really, excuse me, if you really plan it right. Because Fringeworthy, it's like you have, you know, alien tech, and there are some worlds that magic works, and, oh, a dimensional flux changed this thing, and now it's this. And so, yeah, you can really open the floodgates of variance with a Fringeworthy game. And Bureau, of course, with, you know, all stories being true, that's nature of the beast. It's like, yeah, you have a werewolf, but this werewolf also can do this. Wait a minute, you know. So, uh, let's see. Dealer's room? Um, let's see. Anything else about Gen Con that was of interest, especially it being the particular event that it was? Well, as I said, I only saw my, the part that I saw. So there were lots of Gen Con that I never got to see, and this would have been great if we would have all been there because I know that everybody would have had a different interest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't go to – I mean, 
I've previously gone to a lot of podcasting type sessions, didn't go a single one of them, and all the podcasting sessions I saw were either, hey, you want to do a podcast, this is how you do it, you Yeah. Know, the most basic stuff. So a lot of podcasting 101, yeah. Or, hey, this is our podcast and we're recording it live at Gen Con. Yeah. Oh, no, that would have been funny if you walked up and acted as a ringer and then, just, oh, by the way, you know, I'm Bruce Shepard from the TriTag Games podcast on Podbeam. Yeah, we're on season eight. Yeah. <laughs> just. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have told. I mean, people get very impressed when I tell them that these days. Oh, no. I Yeah, I explain it, too. And they go, how long have you been doing this? I said, I came in halfway through season two. Okay, what are you at now? Season. Yeah, season. Yeah. And I said, there's only maybe one or two other podcasts that are out there that have gone longer than us, and I bring up All Games Considered. And they're like, wait a minute, you've been doing this for how long? Almost as long as your show? I'm like, yeah. Every other Wednesday night, we're doing this. We're cranking this stuff out, you know, new Fs every Sunday. And they're like, oh, wow. So, yeah, but there was one time um, talking about ringers real quick. Habibi was at a computer security con, and they were doing, you know, oh, look, we're doing internet radio, and they see Habibi, and of course... You've met Habibi. You know what she looks like. So, of course, they're just going, oh, she's just some teehee. And again, oh, some girl here, you know, her boyfriend's probably here at the con. And, yeah, and especially in the IT group, they, they, they tend to have a little more of that type of attitude with women. Right, because she's a very girly girl. Okay, looks like a very girly girl. Well, That's what I mean. She looks like a very girly girl. But but you you spend some time with her, you realize that she's not to be discounted. No. So what she did was, you know, and she comes over and she's kind of shy and she gets behind the mic and it's like, okay, who are you? And she just, boom, hi, I'm Habibi of the Travcast on DementiaRadio.org. And these four guys, it was all just mouths open, hands pointing, and it was like you could have heard crickets. She did the ringer thing and I was just like, I'm so proud. And as I said, you could have done that you know, hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah, okay, yeah. It, uh, what's that Kid Rock term? Sit yourself down so I can blast you one? Yeah. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been a fly-on-the-wall moment for you. Just like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, the only reason why I couldn't have gone to... J- uh, Habibi kind of dropped out just because it's exhausting on many fronts for her. Both of us being autistic, it's just... That's 1.1 million people in that city. She and I are both fried for like about half a week afterwards. So she just said, I can't do this anymore. I couldn't go this year because I'm my daughter's wedding a month from yesterday. It's coming up. So it just, it, it, yeah. And you've had an awful lot of financial pressure this year. Oh God. Yeah. I just, yeah, it, it, it would have been, and, and I've, yeah, as I said, I've kind of had my own issues. So if I didn't have any other con commitments plus my daughter's wedding yeah i would have tried to do the gen con thing this year but just and it bummed me out because i saw there was a lot of cool stuff i would have loved to see the starfinder display i would have loved to see they might be giants mikey mason mark gunn just all the new stuff that's come out this year and just but i'm 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 glad at least you keep up the the tritac presence there at gen con bruce because we get to hear at least what new stuff is there and the foot is still in the door there that we managed to let people know that we still have our products. They're out there. We are still a presence. So Now, I did have one special moment that I want to, st- I want to stop with. And that is, is that on sa- Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday morning, when I was in the dealer's room, at, almost at the very end, I ran over to the zombie uh, Orpheus booth, the ones who do the gamers. Okay. Also did uh, Journey Quest and a number of other things, and they had a new guy working with them, Larry Dixon. Why is that name sounding familiar? Larry Dixon is the guy that did the um, uh, the big graphic that, we, that Richard's used again and again. That was in the Psionics Magic section. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Larry Dixon is is a is has been a long time friend of Tritac. And, you know, known Richard for years. He's married to Mercedes Lackey. Oh, okay, yeah. 
and she was supposed to be there but wasn't there at the time. I haven't seen Larry for over 20 years, I mean, in the flesh. The last time I saw him was at a small convention in Jacksonville, Florida, where I bought a bunch of his artwork and he remarked it for me. Uh, so uh, we had a, a very nice and somewhat sad discussion about Richard and he wanted, and he, he was telling me about how he's working with them as not only a, an artist, but also as a writer. And, um, uh, and he, you know, we, we, we talked about, and he said, you know, what's the future of TriTac? And I said, only Melody knows. Uh, and so um, I told him I would keep him in the loop. And he said, well, you know, he gave me his personal card and told me to, you know, make sure that I was I didn't become a stranger again. Right. It wasn't 20 years before we saw each other. Again right. That he said that, you know, he he always anytime that the opportunity to try, talk up TriTac comes, he always does it because he's always loved TriTac stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why he uh, did the artwork for Richard that arguably Richard couldn't have afforded. Yeah. So um, and 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 you know Mercedes is, was the same way. She, you know she's always thought very highly of Richard and TriTag Games, and so it was a it was a great way to end the con for me because I got to see somebody that I hadn't seen in a long time. We had a really nice conversation, and I got to li leave you know with the with the con the words of someone who really appreciated the the thing that I have been working so hard over these last, you know, 30, 40 years now, you know, ringing in my ears, you know, to keep me warm on the trip home. Yeah, that, that, is, that is good, yeah. Well, so, uh, and, and these people are still out there. I didn't get to see very many of them. I really wish there had been some way of, of getting, you know, getting together with all the TriTac people, but we didn't really seem to be able to do it. I never saw any, matter of fact, I didn't see hardly anybody I knew. At the, in the convention, <laughs> so and that's partially because they had it was the fiftieth. Yeah, it was just chock a block. There was so many people there and so much going on that there was never any time even to catch a breath, really, to go and, and get together with people, unless you'd planned it ahead of time. I oh no no I I have uh, fellow game designers. I think I might have mentioned Jonathan Thompson. He runs Battlefield Press. Oh no, he was even like. I'm going to be busy. I don't know when I'm going to be able to see any of y'all. You know, <laughs> and that y'all is there because he's from Shreveport. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> he just it, It's like, yeah, I'm noticing I was a lot of banner on Facebook among the industry peeps. Just like, I can't do lunch. I'm, I've got like nine panels. You know, just it's like this particular Gen Con was like that. I just noticed there, you were there. You did your stuff. You abused your credit card some because I, I saw some of the yeah my Gen Con 2017 haul and I'm looking at these going holy what yeah <laughs> stacks of just like books and DVDs and stuff and it's like oh your credit card still got to be smoking after that one <laughs> well, those numbers got abused yeah <laughs> yeah well there are people seem to be selling very you know, doing a lot of good business in the in the dealer's room, so I'm I'm I hope everybody did well who was there as a dealer because those booths are not cheap. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, they asked me about that when I said, yeah, Rich is getting a table back in 2012, and I it's from what I hear it's a decent chunk of change, and they're like, how much? And I sort of hold up a you know four fingers, and they're like four thousand. I said, no, I think it's a four digit figure. I mean, just it's yeah, it's over a thousand. Yeah, you have to be committed and already have that money there to get that table. And even then it's not a big table. I mean, imagine the people that are like the big companies like Paizo, Mayfair, Palladium Books, Wizards, you know, the stuff that they, well, Wizards and Paizo are kind of sponsors of Gen Con. So they, but even Palladium, if you've seen the Palladium Books area at Gen Con, it's not a small area because a lot of it now is devoted to the Robotech RPG tactics tables that are there along with their shelves and their big signing table that they have. And just, yeah, Kevin Sambita puts out probably a nice chunk of change to get that spot at Gen Con every year. I'm sure he does. Yeah. And so, 
and and Kevin doesn't have a big operation. Like I said, it's less than 10 minutes down the road for me. It's a somewhat small warehouse. So every year I know it's like, okay, here's the Gen Con block of money. Just set that aside in the account, ready to go. You know? So yeah, it's, it's the dealer's room. As I said, the first time Pip and I saw it, I mind equaled blown. For me, it's probably about the size of Detroit's Kobo Arena, which if you're in the Detroit area and you know about Kobo Arena, where they would hold the auto show every year, the dealer's room at the Indiana Convention Center is kind of like that. It's as long as the football field. Easily. And just then you've got banners and aisles, and it is a sea of humanity. And just, yeah. It can be very overstimulating if you are not ready for it. And it needs a tower with a Tritac symbol on the top of it revolving. Well, yeah. It just isn't Gen Con without it. Yeah, flashing light maybe, yeah. yeah. And, a, and, a, and a little toy robot at the bottom to take your change. <laughs> All right, well, Trav, thanks for uh, taking the time to be on this. And uh, will we get back to our regularly scheduled topics um, in the future. But um, you guys are going to have to wait until next week. So, until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.